Hello, everybody. It's Kyle Cruz, and you're listening to the KC at the Movies podcast for Friday, the 4th of May, 2018. What's going on? Second episode of the week. Um, promise you guys two episodes, so this is the uh, second one coming your way. This one's going to be more... Um, just to give you what's going what's gonna to happen, it's going to go down. Uh, this is going to be more of uh, me just re- recommending some movies and um, talking about some movies that I've seen. I've seen quite a few um, since Tomb Raider, and I still, I know I realize that I haven't uploaded that Tomb Raider one yet, so th- there'll be a bit of a re-upload that over the weekend, probably Sunday or Monday, um, but this one will go up um, tomorrow morning. Um, but I've seen, yeah, I've seen quite a few since Tomb Raider, um, and I'll be happily, I will happily talk about each of those tonight. Um, so yeah, recording this on a Friday, this will be out tomorrow morning. But, um, and I also would like to just chat and, you know, let you know what's been going on, um, if you have any of the slightest interest. So before I jump into everything, where the fuck have I been? Well, I've um, been shooting my latest and last uh, student film project. Um, it's my, it was called my major project. It's my last student film. It's uh, called Cold Modern. And um, over the over the days of, I think it was the uh, the fourth of April to the seventh. I was shooting because um, I it was only a three day shoot so it was the fourth to the seventh and we had two uh, location for two days and then we shot at my place for one day um, and that all went well uh, we got all the shots we wanted and we got it done um, ahead of schedule and under budget but the bad thing was that I got it uh, I had heaps of budget left over so I had to spend that on a lot of things uh, that wouldn't really you know, you wouldn't really spend the budget on, <laughs> really. There's a lot of takeaway food purchases, um, just being snacks because I didn't have the money at the time in my Overbank account. So I'd have to fall back on that um, budget. So you know, don't. the school's going to find it anyway, so it doesn't really matter, I guess. Um, <clears throat> let's cover that for now. And uh, I just, yeah, what else, what else went to it? Uh... I bought a few things as well that I had to reimburse, put some money back from the other bank account into this one, um, the the budget one. Um, and also I got to pay, there's a few other people I had to pay for transport and I got those out of the way, still got one more to go. But I had a lot of, that's the thing, the, the, the thing about that, the downside to that was I just had a lot left over and I wasn't, I didn't have enough, like it was weird because I had room to buy these things but... I didn't want to buy them because I didn't want to spend all this budget money, but I did. So yes, and I have the receipts. So hopefully the school takes that. Um, <laughs> pray for me. <laughs> so uh, and yeah, and uh, and then I was involved on a few more shoots. Um, on the second shoot, we went to um, we we shot in Dark Point in Stockton near Newcastle. And uh, near Hawks Nest, actually, which is near Stockton in Newcastle, and uh, it was a really grueling, it was a really grueling day, uh, that one, um, because <laughs> I decided to bring gazebo, which was much needed for this type of setting, but um, it was really is a fucking bitch to carry up with these dunes. Like we're think of it as in snow, but you're like kind of like you're trying to climb up these fucking dunes. And it's it's worse than snow, really, because your fucking um, feet are sinking in the sand. Now, I can't really talk that much about the comparison, because even though I've already said it's blatantly worse, I've never been to the snow, so I wouldn't really know much about it. I've only seen artificial snow when been to certain things where they I know for sure they use artificial snow. So I wouldn't know much about um, realistic snow or authentic snow I guess natural snow there you go so I don't know it was just a bitch to carry all this 
we had to carry a red helium um, camera, and we had to carry uh, different parts of equipment as well as a tripod, um, and there was a few lens cases. And carrying that up the dunes was a motherfucker as well. But the biggest one was definitely the gazebo because we had underestimated how heavy this fucking thing was. And we were just trying to get this fucking thing. We're taking turns literally going over these dunes because we had to go so far into the middle, which is where the shots were looking good and which is where, obviously, it would look the most realistic as, as more like a planet than, you know, looking at the trees and everything and just having the sand because in the, in the shots, you don't see any ocean or anything in the background, even though this is there's a beach, like, right next to, the, next, next to it. <clears throat> so, um... It was, yeah, it was a tough day, hot day. Um, it sucked, but, you know, that's what you do for the film industry. Um, I just know that I don't think I want to shoot a sci-fi film, a low-budget sci-fi film, really, because I would have to go into the desert and <laughs> do that again. And we'll just, remin- we'll just like, saying that, like, imagine doing this into the desert. <clears throat> imagine being in the desert and then seeing, like, you know, the, um, the oasises and the... Um, uh, fuck, what do you call it? The, uh, Mirage? I think it's called the Mirage. Well, you see the, uh, reflection. Did you hear that? Um, the reflection. So, that would have been, and we're just, like, saying, like, holy shit. Like, it actually feels like that right now. Like, we can see, like, <laughs> like, we're sweating our asses off. And then we, we, we can see, like, the en- the entrance where the cars were. And I was just like, no, we've still got, like, another two hills to go. So, um, yeah, it was not, it was not the best time, but I, um, I still had a lot of fun on it as well. Um, the second day, um, the second day I thought was going to be even, um, was better because we're shooting this really fucking cool location near Bombo, near Kiama. And you haven't been to Bombo, it's a fucking beautiful spot. Um, it's, you know, it's near Kiama, which is about an hour and a half away from Sydney, about three hours away from um, Newcastle, just past Wollongong. If you haven't been there, this is a real place you can go to. Um, like, this is like you—you'd see some pictures and you're like, "No, this is not. This is not on Earth." And then you're—it um, fucking is. It's crazy. It's such a fucking cool place, and I get why the director chose this location to shoot there because it's just so—I don't know—otherworldly. Like, it's just I haven't seen anything like it. The rock formations seem unnatural, but they. At the same time, they're like, they form in this perfect shape. And, uh, it's just so fucking cool. <laughs> it's just really cool. Uh, but the bad thing was, well, I was carrying this Esky for stuff, and then my Esky that I brought, first of all, we didn't want to bring the fucking gazebo this time, because fuck that shit. Um, because also, we'd had to go over this hill, down a road, and then into the middle of the place, which is how you really, how, really how you get into the place, but... Because we're carrying a lot of stuff as well, like camera equipment, we couldn't take our cars in. Now there's a gate there. We could have we could have drove the car in, but uh, the council wouldn't allow to open the gate, so we couldn't really get in. Um, we could not get in at all. So that was a bit annoying. Um, and then it was just it was it was wasn't it was hot, but it wasn't as hot as Dark Point. Dark Point is fucking incredibly hot. Also, the thing with these was, um, these were both 5 a.m., almost 4.30 wake-up times um, for a 9 a.m., 8.30, 9 a.m. crew call. So I had to get up at, I'd say about 4.30, no, I got up at, not not 4.30, I got 4.30 on the first day, 5 on the next day, and then I'd do the car trip to um, Bombo from Newcastle with a mate of mine, and that took about three and a half hours, nearly four hours. Sounds like a bit of a mini road trip, but uh, it was it was fun. It was fun. I, I, I had a lot of a lot of fun. And then uh, the, the third day uh, was just um, in Hornsby, um, which is uh, we're, we rented this um, warehouse out near Hornsby Scrap Metal, and um, really cool. We had to pl- we played with a lot of there was a lot of sort of natural lighting. It was a good change from natural lighting to artificial lighting using a lot of dados and. Um, um, we blacked out a lot of the windows as well. Um, 
perfect for sound as well. Like, perfect for sound. Fucking nothing. Like, walls were soundproof. You can't hear shit outside. So it was perfect for sound. And I, I, I forgot to mention that I was sound on this film. I was the, um... Um... Yeah, sound recordist on the film. And, um... Perfect for sound outside. So it was better than Dark Point in terms of sound. And better than... Um... Bombo in terms of sound because all you hear was wind and waves and shit but you know you want that for atmosphere but like you know wind really fucking annoying especially especially if you don't have a, um, a wind sock but you know these microphones are professional so they have obviously they've got the guard on them I was also supposed to do continuity as well but I didn't have time to do both because since we're such short tiers a, a, a small class we um, didn't have we didn't have um, enough people to cover all basic um, you know crew positions so sound also the continuity which fucking barely happened I know it on my set that it barely happened um, and on, on the set I was on for when I'm doing sound I was not doing continuity I tried to at first but it just went to shit straight after because it just it, everything became you focus on one thing and then you lose focus of another thing and it's better as as Ron Swanson says in Parks and Rec um, don't half-ass two things whole-ass one thing so that's really a lesson I take in, um, into life really um, I try to do because I'm a shit at multitasking anyway so um, I try to do one, <laughs> one thing at once and just focus on that one thing and not try to do all the things at once because that's a like that's a lot of shit and even on your own shoot you're wearing a lot of hats like you don't have the resources enough resources really to do a lot of things uh, I face a lot of problems in pre-production um, uh, and just in terms of um, I was having trouble doing the production design um, and and then I my lead actor had dropped out but a couple of days before and then we had didn't have a male actor um, before the shoot, and um, was it that night before the shoot? I I thought I got one, and then he said, I, "Oh, I can't do all those days." So then I had to I had to sit with my first assistant director and make an executive decision of like, okay, well, do we? cut this character completely now because we don't we can't get anyone or do we merge this into something else so we ended up just cutting him completely we had to rewrite the whole script um the night before um and it was pretty much me re re me rewriting the script and we were just coming up with jokes different jokes and new jokes that would work with the female characters so it was basically just the mother the mother, mother character and the daughter character of um, Lexi and Eliza. And we just pretty much had to come up with new jokes that would, I don't know, work well with their characters and what their characters would say because these jokes that Roger was saying, like the male character, would not work at all and wouldn't mesh well with um, what Lexi Lexi's attitude was or what she would say. Um, it just wouldn't, I don't know. I, 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 I myself didn't like it. So I was just like, if I don't like it, the audience is not going to like it. So... You know, you can tell when a director's just like, or a writer's just like, oh, well, that, just leave it there. <laughs> just, that, that can be in the script, fuck it. So we didn't do that. We uh, we sat back and forth. It, was really, it felt really cool to, you know, shoot shoot uh, lines back and forth between each other and shoot uh, jokes. Um, uh, jokes that wouldn't work, jokes that would work. We had jokes and we had like a little list of um, mental lists wasn't really physical ones but mental lists where we'd just be like okay well, this could joke this joke could work or let's let's kind of modify that joke and come up with a different joke or let's put like the, that line from that one and then put replace that word with that one and it was it was, it was just a lot of modification and um, um, changing a lot of things which is both the same thing and uh, we had to, we just had to see what would what would flow better in terms of the script and in terms of the how the film was going to be edited and, and and created. So it was it was it was a lot of fun, and uh, we we get to do something else like that in a couple of weeks' time. At, I think at school, so yeah, that's fun. Um, and holy shit, I graduate in 
Well, not. I don't know how many weeks, but I graduate very, very soon in fucking the end of June. So, been a crazy, crazy two years. Uh, so right now we're in the editing. Proud to say we're in the editing. I got all the shots done. I got all the shots I got. We looked at assembly. We did. We did a quick assembly cut on the night after. We got everything together. It looks great. And um, I can't wait to get into the process now of editing and um, doing post-production and all the sound effects and um, visual effects because there's a lot of visual effects to be done. And I'm looking forward to doing that. So proud to say we're in the editing process now. Um, sound syncing begins on Monday. Clips are already transcoded. And uh, rough cuts due next Friday, I believe. So uh, after I get a rough cut done before next Friday, which I think is um, entirely possible since uh, debrief has been pushed back two weeks. So there's a lot of time, um, a lot of breathing time there for us to try and get this rough cut together. Even though we have a few classes on Tuesday and Wednesday, they're all to do with editing as well. So I think our, t- our tutor will probably just let us do um, editing there as well. Because I think they only take up half the day anyway. So, you know, that's all right. So the rough cut visual effects probably will not be done for the rough cut, obviously. Um, it'll probably just be a very, very polished version of the assembly cut, to be honest. And, um, yeah, and, uh, pretty much weeks after that is, uh, the fine cut, and then, um, that's the final cut, and then in between all that, we have a marketing pitch, where I'm really not looking forward to, (laughs) to be honest. And, uh, we have a, the writer's room thing, too, we go write a pilot for a TV show. Uh, that's going to take a bit of time. There's three days dedicated to that, but we also have to do show reels, get show reels done, and uh, as I said, yeah, the marketing pitch. We don't. I'm just really not looking forward to 15 minute pitch. I'm very. I am not very good at public speaking. I love acting and doing th- um, theater, even though I haven't done theater in a very, very long time. I love doing theater um, and and film. I love performing, but like public speaking is really not my forte. It's, uh, I remember the first time, no, not the first time. One of the times I was doing a speech, it was in, it was in year eight. I think it was in year eight at, uh, St. Pius Adamstown. And, uh, it was a speech on, uh, we had, we had to study a film and then do a speech on it. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. I could do, do something different here. And, uh, I did Scarface. And I talked about the main character of Scarface there. And I finished the speech. I literally blacked out because I finished the speech and I sat back down. And my friend was next to me and he he just goes, So yeah, what the fuck was that? (laughs) And I was like, what what are you talking about? And he he just goes, you like, in the middle of your speech, you just walked out of the room. I was like, no, I didn't. And he goes, yeah, you did. You walked out of the room for like a minute or two minutes and then he came back in. And then you're just talking again. He goes, that's why everyone's looking at you like you're crazy. And I was like, well, I didn't notice that. And he goes, what the, f- what did you do? Like fucking lose your memory or some shit? So I definitely kind of blacked out maybe out of sheer nerves or God knows what. But like, I don't even remember going outside the room and then back inside the room, even spending that amount of time outside. I really don't remember that. Um, fucking planes, man. If you can hear that, it's a fucking plane going over. Um, yeah, that's, that will be, I see, like, the thing is, I can't remember that. I can't have those, like, fond memory because I fucking don't remember walking out. And, uh, only he does. And a few other people, I think. But, you know, I don't go around asking the whole class, well, you know. On Facebook. So what happened that day when I walked out? Because that is how you get blocked. <clears throat> no. <laughs> but, uh, you know, I wouldn't waste my time doing it anyway. So, um, bit of a tangent, sorry though. But that, that's what's been happening. Um, I've just been very busy on sets, after, uh, as well as my own. And uh, the last set I was on, I was a, I was a first assistant director on uh, the last set I was on, which was a fucking clusterfuck, but uh, we got through it. Um, probably one of the most unorganized shoots, I'm not going to say the name of the person, but one of the most unorganized shoots I've ever been on. Um, 
you know, there's there's been some reasons why it was that unorganized, but you know, in the in the in the, in the beginning, you know, it all started from the beginning, and and uh, it seemed like in the beginning nothing was really being organized that well. So um, yeah, I wasn't. It was a it was a tough time to do my job on that uh, film set. But, uh, you know, we got through it. Uh, we did have an issue in the end. Um, so we didn't get to shoot everything because um, he insisted on using his own equipment and his equipment, his camera, shit itself. But, um, yeah. I don't know. It's over now. So I don't really, doesn't really bother me anymore. Um, but, you know, like there was some days where I was having fun and, uh, and then immediately something shit happened. And then I was back to having fun again. So it was a bit of a roller coaster. And that's really what the film industry is. It's a roller coaster. Isn't that a great metaphor? Great story, Carl. Wrap it up. Let's go. <clears throat> okay. So that's what's been happening. That's where I've been. And that's why these podcasts have been non existent. But, uh, you know, it's good to be back. And uh, as you probably, I don't know if you've listened to my early one this week about Avengers. This week, I'm going to be talking about every single film I've seen after Tomb Raider. And there's been quite a few. So I'm going to just jump right in. How about we just do that? We just jump right the fuck in. Um, now, this is the film I did talk about. But I I, I, I talked about doing an extended podcast where I was going to analyze it. Still haven't done it yet. If you still want me to do that, let me know. But um, I'd love to do it. And that's um, Annihilation, directed by Alice Garland. Um, starring a wonderful cast of women. And uh, they are awesome in the movie. Um, Jennifer Jason Lee, not so much. Wasn't really vibing her too much. But uh, loving, loving Lee Portman's performance. Fantastic. Uh, Tessa Thompson was great. Um, Jenna Rodriguez as well was a bit shifty on me. But um, I was mostly on Jennifer Jason Lee. I don't know what the fuck she was doing. I, she was actually in a different movie. I don't know what the fuck she was doing. Uh, but my two favorites were definitely Natalie Portman and uh, uh, Tessa Thompson. <clears throat> uh, and there's a lot to unpack with that movie, so I'm not really going to get into it. But I really, re- I, highly, I highly recommend watching Annihilation. It's one of my favorites of the year, and it's on Netflix, and you can watch it on Netflix. Um, I'm pretty sure I talked about Game Over Man. I'm pretty sure I talked about that. So that was, I think, it's on my Tomb Raider podcast. Um, Jumanji, Welcome to the Jungle, the sequel, supposedly sequel, to the first Jumanji film. Um, I thought this movie was going to be fucking shit, right? I thought this movie was going to be shit. But um, I was surprisingly entertained throughout this movie. It was very... I was pleasantly surprised. Um, I loved how The Rock and the Jack Black... And the Jack Black... (laughs) And Jack Black uh, played against type. That was cool. Um, and I liked Nick Jonas in this movie. It was good. Karen Gillan kicks fucking ass. Loved it. Um, Bobby Cannavale was just the really the only down point. I don't really care about his villain. Uh, I thought his screen time was just shit. Um, he was ridiculous. And uh, his kind of screen time really comes into a plot hole, which I'm not really going to get into, but... And it's just in terms of its concepts being a video game that you can suck into. And they have this NPC character being like a cutscene kind of thing. You would think with his kind of... Bobby Cannavale's scenes, the villain scenes, that his things would be a cutscene or something like that. And all things, all the gameplay would stop. So if they really wanted to get into the video game concept of the film and really play with that idea, I thought they could have went much more into that. But, you know, they didn't. Um, but you know, I was, I was entertained. I had a good time. I was laughing. Kevin Hart was just being Kevin Hart. That's pretty much getting really old now. So I don't really, um, you know, that, that new trailer for night school as well just looks like him being Kevin Hart again. So, you know, it's getting old. <coughs> uh, the next one is Alexander Payne's downsizing. Um, I don't know if I talked about this one. I'm now I, I have a feeling now I, I did actually talk about Jumanji. Um, in the last one, but not too sure. Anyway, 
Alexander Payne's downsizing. Um, I was looking really looking forward to this one. The trail's really funny. Um, I like I like Mac Damon. I like Kirsten Wig. I like uh, who else was in it? Uh, Neil Patrick Harris was in it, but he was in it for like two seconds. But the main players I was looking forward to were um, Matt Damon and Kristen Wiig. Uh, also, Christoph Waltz was in it too, but I didn't really like his character too much. Um, <clears throat> yeah, this movie was really fucking boring. Um, very disappointing. Uh, very, very disappointing. Um, I'm talking like Suburbicon disappointing. Like, I was really disappointed by it. I was really excited to see Suburbicon last year. And it was just so disappointing and just didn't know what it was. So, it was in the vein of that being disappointing. Um, I'm just going to be straight off the bat and be honest with you guys because, you know, like the trailer's going to give you this and, you know, it's going to, you know, other things going to give you that. The, the movie's going to be something completely different because it is. It's fucking completely different. Uh, you know, the trailer makes this movie look like, I don't know what the fuck, Par- is it Paramount was doing this trailer? I don't know who, but they should be fucking... I hate trailers that mislead you into watching a movie and then you find that the movie is fucking just not what the trailer was. I fucking hate that and it's just manipulation and it really fucking pisses me off. I hate misleading trailers and it's, that's what Drive did and even though Drive is one of my favourite movies of all time, um, that's what the Drive trailer was. Um, that's what fucking, what that... Um, Collateral Beauty, that fucking trailer. Uh, this movie was just this trailer's just fucking don't watch this trailer. Kristen Wiig is in this movie for twenty minutes. That's it. She's not in it ever again. Um, I don't. I look. I'm gonna have to spoil this one because it's just I don't think it's worth watching. It's really fucking boring. You might like the you might like the ending, but I was just very very let down. It's a point about this one. Um, you know, the downsizing thing gimmick works for like maybe 20, 15, 15, 20, 25 minutes. And then it just gets, you know, tedious and gratuitous. Um, things, again, the trailer just fucking misleads you and it's really fucking annoying. And uh, the end, it's just this boring movie about, I guess, like politics, religion. In the end, when he meets. Um, the Asian girl, I don't know what her name, I forget the actress's name, I'm sorry, but like her, I just, yeah, didn't vibe this one, um, don't recommend it at all, very disappointing from the guy who made Sideways, but Sideways is just great, but um, yeah, this one was just very fucking disappointing, oh jeez, I was so angry when this movie ended, I was just like, what was that? Very pissed off. Kristen Wiig's in it for 20 minutes, everyone. 20 minutes. That's it. The first 20 minutes. That's it. She doesn't go with him into the downsized world. He's there by himself and then he meets other people. There you go. I'm sorry that you keep hearing like the... You hear that? You hear that? The water? You can hear the water, right? Yeah. It's like in the bottle? Yeah. Sorry about that. Water... It's clearing my throat. Um, Right. Next one. A Futile and Stupid Gesture. Uh, The Story of National Lampoon, which is on Netflix. Stars Will Forte, Domo Gleeson, Thomas Lennon, uh, fucking Natasha Lyonne. um, Other people. (laughs) A lot of comedians. A lot of comedians. Um... This was it was this was funny. Um, I didn't know the story of I think it was Tom Kenny, I think it was. Um, I didn't know the story of him and National Lampoon. I did, I had I to be honest I didn't know National Lampoon first started off as a magazine and then went into the film business. I didn't know that. I thought it was just started as a production company or a, or a film company or you know the, a brand for these films these National Lampoons like National Lampoon, Our Animal House, uh, Vacation, you know. I thought it was just, yeah, that. I didn't know it started as a magazine, so that was cool to learn. And, and to find out the history of where these people started was very interesting. And their um, their book they wrote about the Lord of the Rings, the parody, that was interesting. Will Forte's performance, great, as um, Tom Kenny. Is it Tom Kenny? Is it Tom Kenny? I can't say... Keep saying this guy's name and get it wrong. Um... 
Let me just let me just quickly quickly look this up because if I keep saying, doing this review me review without you know we keep saying his name Dog Kenny Dog Kenny because yeah people get, keep people are gonna just be like motherfucker was calling him Tom Kenny the whole time Dog Kenny is uh, Will Forte's character and the co-creator of National Lampoon. He wrote most of the scripts, um, and he was he was he was he was egotistical at times. Um, you also had oh you've got uh, Joel McHale in this movie as well as Chevy Chase. So that was cool. Um, it shows the making of Animal House. Um, Caddyshack, I believe, was in this, and then it shows you had no idea he committed suicide. Or supposedly committed suicide, but uh, yeah, has that in the movie? It's just got his shoes um, on the cliff, and it's a really cool quote. I forget what the quote was though. But it was yeah, it was an enjoyable film. I um, you know, it's one of those ones that you just like. All right, I've seen that. Next, it wasn't anything astounding. wasn't anything groundbreaking. I just had fun. That's what movies got to do. And I like Will Forte. He's good. He's getting better. Uh, well, like, he, he just used to be this really, you know, sometimes crazy character, and they bring him in for common relief, but I think he's a good actor. Um, and I know I should be watching The Last Man on Earth, but I just don't have the time for it. Okay, next one. Also on Netflix. Um, I went on a bit of a Netflix a Netflix binge. Um, Mara Witch Stories, new and selected. Uh, that it's got uh, Dustin Hoffman, Adam Sandler, Ben Stiller, and uh, that's all I can remember. But it's got those three mostly. It's a mostly about um, these sons, who is played by Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller, their relationship with their father. And then when their father decides to sell their house or sell his paintings, there's a bit of a conflict there, and uh, you know stuff happens. I'm not going to get too much into detail. But I thought Sandler's performance was good. It's funny because when he does movies done by good directors and writers, because this one's directed by, I think it's directed and written by Noah Baumbach. Um, his writing is really good here. It really mm-hmm. shows um, a sense of family and how they communicate because there's a lot of um, talking over each other and line, um, pretty much hijacking, hijacking each other's lines. And it's really, I think it's really cool. And I read, I read the script after and I was just like, this is... Yeah, this is cool. Bit of inspiration to write a bit of a family drama myself, but uh, that will not happen in like. It's not going to happen after a while. <laughs> I don't have the inspiration to write a family drama at the moment. I'll just say that. And this is not just a family drama, it's more of a dramedy kind of thing. There's a lot of comedy in it as well. Dustin Hoffman was great as the father, uh, but mostly the people that did shine were Adam Sandler and Ben Stiller. They were, you know, these brothers that, you know, hardly knew each other. I think Ben Stiller's the half-brother. And uh, they barely knew each other, and they're completely different people. Ben Stiller's this kind of guy who owns a lot of company. He owns this uh, firm, and Adam Sandler's just this guy with a bung leg. And uh, he's, a, he's a father as well, and he always just wants the best. And I think that, like, he, he struggles to get his father's affection sometimes, and that's what and this movie is kind of about, like, um, getting his attention. And, and um, he, he seemed like, as well, like Dustin Hoffman's character, that, um, he seemed like he had dementia at times as well because he just acted like that. I don't, I'm not so sure if that was um, intentional, but that's what I kind of got from it. Um, but, uh, overall, like, I really, I would recommend this one. It's on Netflix, and, uh, doesn't go for too long. I think it goes for, like, an hour, and... I mean, it could have been shorter. I think it goes for, like, an hour and 40. But, uh, I, re- I recommend this one. It's good. Well written. I like the writing, mostly. And, um, Ben, Adam Sandler's performance. Because I've seen some shit. It's, he seems to be shit in his own movies. Which is disappointing. Um, and then when he's actually put in a good movie and given and directed by a good director, he is completely different and he's likable and uh, you like his performance. It's weird, isn't it? <laughs> so uh, yeah, I recommend uh, giving that a watch on Netflix. Right, next of all, um, we have The Death of Stalin. 
um, The Death of Stalin is um, is directed by Armando. I think it's Armando Anucci. He does he does Veep on HBO, and he mm-hmm. did what did he do? Um, he he did another movie. So what movie did he do again? He did a movie. But he's really known for doing um, Veep on HBO. That's how everyone knows him. It was another po- political one. Because this is, this is, you know, Stalin. This is... <clears throat> in the Loop. That's it. In the Loop. Is that a TV show or is that a movie? Yeah, movie. Um, in the Loop. That's what that's what I'm trying to get to. So Death of Stalin is, yeah, this really... Very satirical comedy about the death of Stalin's death, and what their officials are trying to do to, I guess, commemorate him. Um, you have, um, but these these guys are just like bumbling idiots. They're played by like just they're played as to be bumbling just dickheads, even though they're like the secretary of Russia or something 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 like that. Um, you have, uh, what's his name? Fucking, ah, what's his name? Jeffrey Tambor. Jeffrey Tambor. Um, you have Steve Buscemi. You have, um, Jason Isaacs. Huh? Yeah, he's good. And he, he plays this, like, you think he's going to be, like, this threatening British officer, but he's like, he's just another dickhead. And then you've got Stalin's son, who's fucking one of the funniest fucking parts of the movie to me. Um, it's a very, very, it's very funny. It's very clever in, in, in how how its comedy is played, and it's not it's not your average like raunchy sex comedy. There's a lot of there is some raunchy there's some raunchy stuff, but it's mostly and there's a bit of violence, but it's mostly played by a character. Um, it's character moments of the comedy, so, and that's what the best comedy to me is. Characters playing off each other, and that's where the comedy comes from. Reactions, and interactions so I thought that was I thought it was enjoyable it goes for a little too long um, but I, I, I enjoyed it and I recommend it Death of Stalin moving on to a contender from the Oscars that I just got to, around to watching Aaron Sorkin's Molly's Game um, well his, his version of Molly's Game um, adapted um, by the um, book Molly's Games and written by Molly Bloom <clears throat> and it's about you would have guessed the movie is about Molly Bloom who was a, um Olympic skier I believe and uh, when she hurt her spine she played by Jessica Chastain by the way um, when she hurt her spine uh, she started working for this kind of shifty dude in this office and then he would do these underground poker nights she kind of caught on and then she started doing her own underground poker nights but they were completely legal or so she thought um (laughs) until something happens with the Russians I won't get into it something happens with the Russians and then it starts getting illegal and then she faces jail time and then just most of this movie is just me being like surprised of how much how much of this shit is true. Like this actually happened. I was just, but the, it, the thing is with Sorkin's dialogue, it's just so awesome to watch characters fucking bounce off each other, bang, 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 with this fucking awesome dialogue. Even exposition sounds fucking delicious with Sorkin. Uh, it sounds awesome, but um, he's definitely more of a writer than a director, I'd say. Uh, his direction is kind of, um, you know, a bit, you, you can see it, um, really, you can really see it in a few parts where it's just, you know, it, his writing definitely trumps how he directs. Um, and that's why I like when other directors, um, this is going to be, you know, some people do probably do like Sorkin as director, but I think his writing is elevated by directors such as, you know, David Fincher and, um, well, mostly David Fincher, really. Um, and, uh, there was another fucking, I can't remember the other director. Fuck. I'm just trying to think, of, I'm, I'm just thinking of Social Network. <laughs> but, you know, the Social Network was a great movie, right? A great writing, but it was, the direction was great, and how, and how that movie was crafted was 
awesome. Um, so that's what I'd say. The major criticism I'd say would be um, would say is that it goes a little too long. It does go for two and a half hours. It's pretty long for a movie with mostly dialogue, but the dialogue does keep it sharp and flowy. And I'll stop stamping my fingers because that's getting a bit cliche at the moment. Um, you know, it flows it flows well between characters, but there's a lot of there's a there's a few scenes where it kind of slows down a bit, and you're like, okay, particularly when the Russians get involved, that's where it's kind of got disinteresting to me. Even though that's supposed to be where it kind of you know gets interesting, gets interesting. I was kind of like, oh, okay, um, it kind of slowed down for me there. I think it could have been picked up. I think easily could have fifteen minutes could have been shaved off. Um, two and a half hours was insane but uh, I think it's a very entertaining movie especially with this kind of dialogue and um, Jessica Chastain's great in it I wasn't expecting a certain part of it to be like if that was the person but I don't know like in terms of a poker games there's a, there's a player X very unexpected who player X was <laughs> Um, wow. <laughs> uh, but it was, yeah, this movie was just mostly just me being like, oh my god, this actually happened. This actually fucking happened. And I couldn't believe my eyes. There's one scene with a scene... There's one scene with a scene. There's one scene with her and her father. After she skates this ice rink and does some sort of commotion. He sits down with her at a bench. Um, I call it the three years of therapy scene. Because it's um, that's pretty much what's kind of involved in it, and it's fucking beautifully written, and it's fucking such a great scene. It's very powerful, and a very emotional scene as well between, especially between father and daughter. And I thought that was great. That was probably the best scene in the movie, I'd say. One of the best scenes. Idris Elba's in it too. He's fucking great. It's just I love watching awesome actors do Sorkin dialogue because it's just fucking beautiful. So I really, I really recommend Molly's Game. I think I, my parents actually watched it after I watched it. So um, yeah, yeah. Recommend it. Give it a watch. If you've read the book, give it a watch. Even after you read the book, maybe. Right. Next one. Uh, Ready Player One. Ready Player One. Directed by Steven Spielberg, who gave us such hits as you know all the hits. Fucking hell. Um, <laughs> Uh, Ready Player One is adapted from Ernest Cline's novel, Ready Player One, and uh, has pretty much every single pop culture reference in there. I wouldn't say every single, but a lot of 80s ones. A lot of 80s ones. Um, This movie was so fucking fun and just a blast to watch. Um, Had a lot of fun with this one. Um, I didn't really... The romance between Artemis and... uh, I think it was Wade? Was his name Wade? Um, yeah, I just eh, didn't really buy it that much. I'd say that was probably one of the lowest points, one of the one of the complaints, I guess, with the movie. Didn't really buy that romance too much. If you took out the pop culture references and everything about it, it wouldn't be anything. Um, you're very bland, and I don't think you'd be very interesting at all. But this movie is pretty much built on this this book that has every a lot of pop culture references and this whole plot of this. Um, mastermind that's created this oasis, this VR oasis, virtual reality world where um, players can compete and find prizes. And um, he has to find three Easter eggs, I believe, three Easter eggs, and that's how he finds uh, no three keys, and that's how he finds an Easter egg, which is this massive secret. And I'm not going to get into it, but. Um, yeah, I had a lot of fun. I had a lot of fun with it. But if you took the nostalgia and the pop culture references out, I think it'd be very... There'd be no backbone to it. No meat. No meat on those bones. Um, and the romance was just um, poor, in my opinion. Didn't really... Kind of clocked out at those points. Um, one scene that I want to watch over and over again is the shine... Um, is... A scene to do with The Shining. Really <laughs> spoiled it there. <laughs> a scene to do with The Shining. I'm not going to say what it is, but it's a scene to do with The Shining. 
It's really fucking awesome. I loved it. And I want to see it again. <clears throat> um, but overall, it's a, it's a fun, you know, if you like pop culture, if you like nostalgia, if you like 80s things, Ready Player One is a go-to. Um, Ty Sheridan, I'm really, I'm really starting to like Ty Sheridan. Um, he's really good. And um, I've always liked Olivia Cook. And I want to see that movie, which that's movie she's in, um, Thoroughbreds, I think she's in, with Anya Taylor-Joy. Really want to fucking see that, but it's never coming out here. So I've got to wait for it. Um, which is unfortunate, because I really want to watch it. And I've heard it's awesome. Well, some people have said it's awesome. Yeah. But, um, yeah. You know, give it a watch if you want some... If you want, like, a... Just a... It's just one of those popcorn blockbusters... But it's also a movie where you can just like have a lot of fun and spot Easter eggs and be like, oh my God, look at that, look at that, you know. Yeah, you want to you you do something like that, watch Ready Player One. <clears throat> okay, I've got three more to go. You Were Never Really Here. Now, I did a review, a written review of this one um, on my Instagram and, uh, no, not on my Instagram, on my public Facebook page, but I did a little mini one on my Instagram, but the full one you can see is on my Facebook page to just kind of keep everyone, I mean, it was during the hiatus where these podcasts weren't happening, so, um, I decided just to keep, I like doing these little, um, you know, I might as well just call them reviews now because they are pretty much that, (laughs) Uh, although I don't really consider myself a critic, I'm more of a I just like giving my thoughts. I don't like critiquing too much things about it. Um, but then again, it's the weird thing is these thoughts on kind of things turn into reviews because I am critiquing things. Isn't that weird? Life is funny. Holy shit. All right. <laughs> um, you Were Never Really Here is directed by Liam Ramsey, who um, made Ratcatcher and another great film called We Need to Talk About Kevin. We have a really haunty performance by Ezra Miller. Jesus Christ. And um, a great performance by Tilda Swinton. Jesus, yeah, there's a scene in that movie where it's just like, oh, jeez. What the fuck? <laughs> but, um, you know. And this this movie has a scene where you're like, ah, oh, all right. So that's what Liam Ramsey does best, I guess. Um, elevates dark material, but makes it kind of art house and intellectual. Um, so you can really go on my, to really get my full thoughts on this, you can go on my Facebook public page and, um, and check me out, check it out there, because there's a lot of stuff I go into there, um, I thought Joaquin Phoenix's performance was fucking phenomenal, um, I loved it, I loved the screenplay, um, I loved how slow moving it was, although it is slow at times, but it's still kind of, still kept me engaged, it's very, very unique from most um, action thrillers we see nowadays. It's kind of in the vein of Taxi Driver, but like more art house than Taxi Driver. Um, uh, the girl was good too. The action is not gratuitous, but it's also like kind of... It's violent, but it's not gratuitous at the same time. The air thing is fucking awesome. The soundtrack is just encapsulating. Um, it's one of the best films of the year to me, and it's, uh, I really recommend you watch You're Never Really Here if you're a fan of independent film, if you're, independent, if you're a fan of Lim Ramsey. Um, it, it nearly, it was a contender for the Palme d'Or last year, but it also won the Best Screenplay Award and the Best Actor Award. Um, I was going to say Best Director, but I think uh, Sofia Coppola took that one at uh, Khan last year. I really recommend it if you like if if you like Taxi Driver and want something different. It's got a lot of similarities to that, but um, it's also different and it's in its own vein. Um, but if you don't like slow moving pieces about haunted individuals, yeah, you're not gonna like this at all. <laughs> Especially art house movies. You're not gonna like that. You're not gonna like this. But I tell you what, I'm gonna like if you're a kind of like a more of a consider yourself more of an average film goer and uh, you just like to you know you like to have some good old cheesy fun you're going to fucking love the next one Den of Thieves um, Den of Thieves is Heat 2018 um, now <laughs> I'll get into that in a minute 
But uh, it's got Jared Butler, who's ha- obviously having so much fun playing this role of Big Nick, uh, this detective who doesn't play by people's rules, and he, he's gruesome, and he's brutal, and he's a big, big man who uh, says, fuck you to the authorities, and he does his own shit. Um, who's good in this world? Like, stand out to me was Pablo Shrive was good. I thought O'Shea Jackson was good in this. Um, I was, there was a few people who were just like, oh my god, 50 cents in this one, I need to watch it. He's good in it, but he's not, to me, he's not the Shining Stars. The Shining Stars were Pablo Schreiber and O'Shea Jackson Jr. He was great. O'Shea was good. I had no idea O'Shea was in this, and he was great. This movie here goes for fucking three hours. And, uh, just like Heat, yeah, it goes for three hours. Uh, I don't think it goes from three hours exactly, whereas Heat goes for exactly three hours. Um... Um, but it goes for about 2045, I think. So it's just under, but it's like very long. Um, so it's got a lot of similarities. The heat is in that there's a cop, there's a heist team. The cop's going out to the heist team, but the cop's got some things wrong with him and his family. So it's very in much uh, like heat with those characters of Al Pacino being the cop and Robert De Niro being the Robert. So Robert De Niro is pretty much replaced by Pablo Schreiber and Al Pacino is pretty much replaced by Jared Butler. Big nuke. He goes and he chucks, he eats donuts and he chucks them to the crime scene. He goes to strip clubs, even though he has a wife. And then he fucks the criminal's girlfriend. He doesn't give a shit. Big Nick, coming to cinemas. <laughs> no. Um, so it's very much like Heat, but it, it lacks the emotional complexity and the character interaction that Heat had, especially the diner scene. Oh my god, that scene's iconic for a reason and the writing is great so it, and it has it's got okay writing but it's not as good as Heat is um and there's a there's a, there's a shootout the shootout scene in the end is very it's it's. it's I, I was entertained by it I was entertained by it it's it's violence is kind of brutal and uh I guess that's what kind of I was entertained by it this is for Heat for people who don't want to watch a three hour movie with a lot of character development and um, dialogue that is so interesting to listen to and character interactions that are so rich and backstory that is relevant um, yeah it's really just the blockbuster heat <laughs> I'll just say that and if you like those kind of action movies or you want to turn your brain off and just watch some people beat the fucking shit out of each other uh, Den of Thieves is for you. It's dumb fun. It's dumb fun. That's what it is. Lastly, but very not leastly, um, does that even does that make sense? We have A Quiet Place, directed by John Krasinski of Office Fame. This is not the first directorial debut, however. Um, I think his first directorial debut was The Hollers, and then he did. A second, I don't know what the second movie was, but this is his third one. It's not his first. I just spilled water on the carpet. Sorry about that. Just uh, spilled water on the um, carpet. So I had to clean that shit up because the you know the number one rule in this house is do wash the carpet. Uh, don't get shit on the carpet. Yeah, you can you can film me, but wash the fucking carpet. Yeah, go fuck yourself. Um. So, yeah, it's written by John Krasinski, and uh, wow, this is insane. Um, I fucking hate horror movies, and it's not because I don't respect the filmmaking or the craft of how they are made. Um, it's just I am a bitch, and I don't like being scared. Um, jump scares scare the fucking shit out of me every single time, even though I know when they're coming. Um, I am such a fucking wimp. Um, I cover my eyes, I crouch up, I watch Crimson Peak behind two hands. Yeah, Crimson Peak by Girl Mulder Toro. Yep, I watched that behind two hands. That's how much of a bitch I am. Um, but I really wanted to see this movie because love John Kaczynski, love Emily Blunt, one of my favorite actresses. And the story just really intrigued me. The story of how a world where you have to be as silent as possible to avoid danger 
and protect your family. That really interested me. And it really intrigued me. And then hearing people's reviews and people coming at him and saying, this is fucking awesome. And, um... Right, now I'm playing. I was excited to see it. But, again, I knew there was going to be jump scares. Because I've been told there was a few. And I knew I was in for a horror film, obviously. So, I had to kind of brace myself. Um... It's funny, a little bit, a little bit of funny story here. We went to see a quiet place. Um, but we got there like ten minutes before, so we couldn't see it um, a certain night because I actually wanted to see it earlier. So we actually ended up seeing Ready Player One instead at eight thirty in the next session. So it was like this was like a week later then, and then I finally saw a quiet place, and um, fucking loved it. Oh my god. It's uh, it's 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 just so well done. The acting is amazing. Emily Blunt is just continues to just floor me in terms of her performance. John Krasinski is so good here. Um, I like the daughter as well. She was great. Um, the I think her name was Millie. I think the actor's name is the actor's name is Millie. The, the 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 son's name Noah Jupe I think he was from is he the guy from Jurassic World I think I'm not too sure is it is he the same guy from Jurassic World I don't know um, he was great but what I've really got to really commend this movie on is the sound design it's fucking amazing um, there is there are certain these aliens that are in this world they hunt by sound so if you even make the slightest of sound you're fucked you're dead you're you're gone like that's it you're you're yeah you're dead <laughs> um, and uh, this family kind of you know learns from that and uh, they've got to protect each other they have a system um, I just loved how so much attention was paid to the concept of this movie. Um, there is so much attention to detail with this concept that I just fucking loved and appreciated so much and that is all to John Krasinski's effort of the Britain director <laughs> and understanding what this kind of universe would um, involve like they eat on lettuce leaves they eat very quiet food they've got a system with lights outside their house um, they're not the only people left I liked that this place didn't this film didn't uh, show you what was beforehand or the origins of it. You're actually in the midst of it. You're at day 89, I believe it was. You're in the midst of it. And um, uh, what else was there? Um, just how everything, the tension. Oh my God, the tension. The tension is built so well. I loved how they played with the the deaf the, the deaf girl who's actually deaf in real life. The, their daughter that's deaf. And the sound design when she's on screen, like everything fades away. There's no sound at all when she's on screen. I fucking loved it. Um, and then when you're back to the characters, you're back to hearing very silent stuff. But you're the sound design is elevated to an extent where you just paid so much attention to it. And if people are in the theater are kind of trying to, um, you know, trying to eat silently. I don't know why the fuck you try to eat during these scenes, but you're trying to eat silently or trying to sip very silently. It actually tells those people you need to be, you shut the fuck up and pay attention to what's on screen because, you know, the alien's going to get you, buddy. And I, I don't know why, but we we're, were in a cinema and there's people still behind us trying to fucking eat. I was like, why the fuck would you eat during this really tense, silent scene? Holy shit. Why would you do that? Don't know. Don't know. I don't know what the book goes through these people's heads. Um, the scene that stood out, stood out to me the most was the um, the birth scene in the bathtub. That was incredibly done. And I fucking loved it. Um, just the cinematography is great as well. Um, there's a lot of great use of lighting. Um, and just... The thing I loved the most was I was scared shitless the whole time. I was behind my hands, but I just loved what I was seeing on screen. And this is, it made me want to really like get in, really actually start to watch a 
bunch of horror films and seeing what ones are great. Maybe watch The Conjuring. Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> Jeez, I don't know. Um, I think I'm getting a bit too out of myself there. And, um, you know, really start to get into this genre because, like, I would love to make a horror movie, I think. But the thing is, I don't really feel like I'm watching... I don't feel like I'm respecting the genre by not watching any of their films. So, I don't feel like I can really pull it off. Because that's what Krasinski was saying he was doing. Like, he, he watched a few horror movies, and then that's what kind of inspired him. A few sequences in the movie inspired him to um, create this and direct this in the way that he did. Um, so that's, it's just a, a fucking, like, it's one of the best films of the year. Um, alongside You Would Never Really Hear and, uh, what was the other one? Annihilation. Um, it's great. It's such a good movie. And I'm so glad that it's made so much money at the box office. Um, but the thing is, this is where the downside comes in, is, a complaint I have was, um, I don't know why the fuck she was, a bit of spoilers here, but why the fuck would you get her pregnant again? Why? You know? Why would you, why would you get pregnant again? Just why? (laughs) Why would you get pregnant again? I don't get that. This movie where, oh jeez, I guess it's love trumps all, I guess. You know, gotta have sex even though there's aliens out there trying to kill us. Um, that was really my only complaint. And there's a few things that the sun does is a bit, a bit dumb, but uh, I, know, I kind of forgave that because the movie was rocky. so much more of the movie made up for some of these little tiny complaints that I had that I loved it a lot and I can't wait to see it again. Definitely not going to watch it in cinemas again, but I was really looking forward to picking this up on Blu-ray and watching it on Blu-ray. Um, but yeah, the thing was a paramount because you know they they want money and they're a studio. They want to make a sequel to this movie. Uh, I just really don't think it needs a sequel. Um, I think it stands great on its own. Um, maybe if you got more story to tell, if Krasinski comes back to direct and he's got more story to tell, sure. But the way that they ended, I just don't think it needs a sequel. I don't think it needs more telling because we can kind of, you know, pay attention to certain scenes and find out where these things are happening. And I just don't think there is, as, as well, in my opinion, I don't think there is, there could be more story to tell, but I'm not really, I think I got what I needed. I got what I needed from this world and I understand everything of it and I appreciated all of it. I don't need a sequel to this movie, but, you know, Paramount want to make one, so, you know. Great, Paramount, thanks. Um, but if Quintus comes back to direct, if there's more story to tell, if it actually turns out to be a great film, I'll watch it. I'll, I'll watch anything Krasinski does now because he's proving himself to be a very, very, very competent director. Not in terms of comedy, but now just in terms of great filmmaking. Um, fantastic. So, yeah, and the latest one I saw was... Um, yeah, so I recommend A Quiet Place a lot, definitely. Go watch A Quiet Place. It's fucking awesome. Um, if you're missing the cinemas, do check it out when you can. It's just one of the... I think it's one of the best horror movies I've seen. Um, even though I haven't seen much. It's definitely one of the best horror movies. It's one of the best thriller. I think it's more of a thriller and a horror. And I think it's one of the best thriller movies I've seen. In terms of Alien, um, Jaws, it's up there. Um, it's, I wouldn't say it's not as great as those, but it's up there. It's really up there. Come on, you beat yours? I don't think so. Anyway, that's it. Um, Those are the movies that I've seen since Tomb Raider. Um, There's a few recommendations there, a few non-recommendations. But, um... Because the latest one I've seen was Avengers Infinity War, and I did a whole podcast on that, so you don't really need anyone talking about that. But um, that was good too, go see that. (laughs) Go see that as well. If you're a Marvel fan, if if you're not a Marvel fan, you're not going to... You're not going to... You're not going to like it. I just don't think you should really waste your time on it if you haven't seen, you know, all 18 films leading up to it. It's kind of pointless. Um, it's great. Go and see it. Um, okay, so that's it. Um, we've talked about everything. All those movies are there. Um, I keep bumping the table. All those movies are there. You can go see them when you want. There's a few out in cinemas that you can still see. 
there are some that you can just get or you can buy on Blu-ray. So there you go. Um, just before we wrap up, I just want to talk about a few films that are coming out very soon that I would like to go and see and maybe give a few, maybe get, maybe you didn't know about these ones and you want to go see them. Um, we recently got a trailer for Ant-Man and the Wasp, so that was cool. Um, it's going to be a very nice change from what we saw in Infinity War, but it's also kind of, it's a very big change in the terms of like, what the fuck are they going to do? <laughs> what the fuck is Ant-Man and the Wasp going to be about? The villain looks kind of generic, but, you know, we'll see what happens, I guess. Um, coming soon, right. Um, so I want to see Tully, which is um, Charlie, Charlie Theron and Mackenzie Davis. I want to see that movie. That looks really interesting. A nice take on uh, motherhood. Looks like a, a serious take. Looks like a, a good comedy drama on motherhood. And um, it's got, it got a few good reviews. Um, I like, I'm liking the cast. Charlie Theron, Mackenzie Davis, Mark Duplass, Ron Livingston good reviews it's funny because Ron Livingston and Mark Duplass were in fucking drinking buddies together isn't that funny um and it's directed by Jason Rudman who um gave us Juno um and uh what was that one what the fuck was that uh, men, women, men, women, children that's it men, women and children um he's also given us a bunch of other ones and I forget what they are because those ones are the ones that stand out to me the most. Did you do Up in the Air, I think, as well? Anyway. So that, I'm looking forward to that. I want to see that. I want to see Deadpool 2, obviously. And I'm looking forward to seeing Credibles 2. Yes, of course. Um, but that's out in June. So in terms of May, um, Tully... Maybe Chappaquiddick and Deadpool 2. I want to see that. Not a fan of Star Wars, so I don't care about Solo. Cargo doesn't really interest me that much. Life of the Party just looks like another raunchy comedy with Melissa McCarthy. You know, I've seen that plenty of times before. So, you know, but I could be wrong. You never know. <laughs> That's the thing about film. Um, so, yeah, go see those. Go watch those movies if you want to watch them. Go watch them if you don't. Go, don't watch them if you don't want to. I'm not a dictator. Um, although sometimes I dream of a world where I dictate film. No, I don't. So uh, next week I'll be just doing one, because I'm going to do two this week, so I'll just do one podcast next week. I'm sure to watch a few more movies this week, especially over the weekend. Uh, when editing starts next week, though, I'll probably be much stuck into the editing process, so they won't watch me much film in the next week but over the weekend I think I'll be watching a few movies that I've got and I'll give my thoughts on those next week on next uh, next Friday's podcast so looking forward to that um, check me out on Facebook on the public page don't add my personal one because they're not going to get an ad back uh, follow me on Instagram and you can check out my letterboxed where I'm going to be updating all of my recent all these recent watches and um, I'll be I'll be, be I'll start to be more consistent with Letterboxd because I really do like that platform and its community. So we're starting to get more involved with that one. I think. Have a great weekend, guys. Stay safe. I'll talk to you next Friday. <laughs>